You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. We're going to go right to our billion-dollar bowler baller expert. And uh, we've got Jack on the line, so... Happy Thanksgiving, Jack, and uh, to your family that I know. And uh, uh, my love goes out to uh, Texas, and uh, you're traveling. Thank you, David. Thank you, and a very happy Thanksgiving to you as well. And uh, to all the listeners here on America's Web Radio and Billion Dollar Ballers, um, it's great to be here with you the day after such a great holiday. Uh, I know I certainly probably ate a little bit too much, maybe drank a little bit too much, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I hope everyone had a great day, and um, let's get it started. And, and what better way to start the show today than to talk a little bit about the history of the NFL on Thanksgiving. Um, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan or a Detroit Lions fan, you, you've been able to watch the uh, your favorite NFL team on Thanksgiving for quite a while now. Um, those two teams play every single year on Thanksgiving, and uh, normally there is a third game, a night game, and, and that's typically the game that they try to bring in two of uh, the better teams in the league to play a primetime game on the holiday, with the logic obviously being that everyone is watching football on Thanksgiving. Um, unfortunately, last night's game, um, the primetime game with the Ravens ended up getting canceled. Um, we just found out that not only did their running back, Mark Ingram, um, get COVID-19, the quarterback, uh, MVP candidate last year's MVP, Lamar Jackson, also contracted COVID-19. Um, so certainly wish both of, uh, both of those players get it well soon. Um, unfortunately, though, it, it resulted in only two Thanksgiving football games last night uh, between two of the worst teams in the league. Uh, with the Lions and the Cowboys. Um, and that's kind of been the story of Thanksgiving football for a while now. But we'll get back to that, why those two teams playing is somewhat of a problem. And let's just go way back to the beginning of uh, football on Thanksgiving Day. Um, the tradition's been around for over a century. Um, the first Thanksgiving Day football game took place on November seventeenth, 1869 in Philadelphia. Uh, and it just so happened to be the first American football game. Um, in this game, Rutgers defeated Pittsburgh, and it became a significant event throughout history. Um, obviously, the result of the game was not important. I doubt anybody barely remembers it. Um, but it was the beginning of a tradition, the beginning of Thanksgiving football. Um, like I said, we watch today, we always see the Cowboys and the Lions. Uh, it's a way of life for those fans, which the Cowboys... Uh, they've been a part of that tradition since 1966. Uh, the general manager at the time, Tex Schramm, saw the Thanksgiving Day game as the perfect opportunity to get his team national publicity. Um, obviously, the NFL was quick to jump on that opportunity. Um, following some like initial hesitation, uh, worrying fans might not show up to the game. Um, the league actually even guaranteed the team a certain gate revenue in case nobody bought tickets. Um, but it turns out this wasn't a problem. Uh, enough fans showed up that they broke the attendance record. And since 1966, the Cowboys haven't missed a Thanksgiving game since. Excluding uh, 1934, during World War II, there was one game missed. But 
when we're not at a world war, there is Thanksgiving football in Dallas. Uh, and ever since 1934, the Lions have also been a part of, a part of the tradition. Uh, similarly, uh, a local radio executive, his name was G.A. Richards, he purchased the Lions uh, and had them play on Thanksgiving every year. Um, funnily enough, so they could move in front of the Detroit Tigers baseball team on the sports pages. Um, Richards was also part of a big radio station in the country, um, and he had a huge network. He was able to convince NBC to broadcast Thanksgiving games on 94 stations nationwide. Uh, it was a great move, and, and the Lions sold out their 26,000-seat stadium that game uh, and even had fans turned away at the gate. Again, every year since the tradition has continued, firmly established in Detroit, they've played every game on Thanksgiving. I mean, it's if, if you look back at the beginning of this tradition, what it's really rooted in is something that we talk about quite often in this show. Um, sports industry being innovative and finding creative ways uh, to help the fans, I mean, service the fans. Who doesn't love watching football on Thanksgiving? It's kind of a ritual of many people that I know that they eat all their turkey and watch football the rest of the day, maybe mix in a quick nap here or there. But, uh, as we've also talked about on this show, there's usually a money motive behind what you're seeing with professional sports, and that's certainly true when it comes to Thanksgiving Day football. Um, the Cowboys did it because they wanted publicity for the team. The Lions did it um, because they had a marketing genius who had purchased the team that realized that hundreds of stations, even way back in 1934, um, hundreds of radio stations would be willing to broadcast the game on Thanksgiving because there's really no other competition. Um, there's some college basketball. We'll talk about that a little bit later. It was great to see that back. But NFL football dominates Thanksgiving. And it's a wonderful tradition that helps the fans and makes the NFL and the teams a lot of money. Um, but, again, here's where we get back to the point that for over a century now, we've had two teams that are pretty consistently average to bad at football playing on Thanksgiving. Um, now, the NFL kind of rectified this by adding in the night game, um, adding in that game that we didn't get this year that usually is between two of the better teams in the league. Um, but the tradition itself, while I'm certainly not advocating to get rid of it, um, it causes problems when you're watching teams that are just so bad. I mean, if you manage to stay awake during these two games yesterday, uh, we had two pretty terrible games. Um, Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team out of the NFC East uh, sporting a combined five wins heading into the contest. And the Texans versus the Lions, again, two teams that haven't topped the five-win mark uh, it's just not not great football that we saw yesterday, and that's been the case for a long time. I mean, um, certainly in my lifetime, I remember few years um, where either one of the Lions or the Cowboys are good, and certainly not no years where they were both good. Um, so, what is this doing to the NFL to have have teams this bad playing on Thanksgiving? Um, well, as far as the ratings go. 
they're certainly still very, very high. Thanksgiving has continued to be the highest-rated regular season game for the NFL consistently um, for many years now. Uh, however, where I think the NFL may be missing out is uh, is by capitalizing on this opportunity. I think there are a lot of people um, who don't typically watch the NFL who always religiously watch the NFL on Thanksgiving. As I've said, it's ingrained in a lot of families' cultures that it's just something you do. You, turkey, mashed potatoes, and NFL football. I mean, that's typically how it goes. Jack, can I throw something in there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was just thinking as you were talking about how bad the games were. And, you know, this is where you have the great, great announcers and the great folks that did play-by-play. And and do you remember the two that were, I thought, were the best? And this goes back to the uh, 60s and part of the 70s, I think. But do you remember the name John Madden and Don Meredith? Of course, of course. Two legends. Oh, yeah. And they would, you know, and Madden would always have that turkey leg about the size of of a football player's thigh, you know, and, um, <laughs> he would, he'd be waving that sucker around eating during the show and thinking, uh, the, the station for providing the lunch. And, uh, if it was a bad game, Don Meredith didn't mind throwing his two cents in and saying how bad it was, you know, but I don't, I didn't watch anything yesterday. Uh, as a matter of fact, actually I did. I watched some old Westerns. Uh, I couldn't get, I just wasn't interested in watching football for some reason. But, uh, you know, the, it, the announcers can make or break. It, it, it's it's like actors, you know, in a, in a play. They can make or break it. And I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't I know that we have any, any play-by-play people like we used to have. Well, I'd offer you, uh, I'd offer you one name, kind of, kind of up and coming. I'm pretty sure, uh, most people will recognize him as the p- former quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, um, and Tony Romo. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's, I think he's pretty good. I think he's probably the up and comer here, um, who shows some promise. Unless you're saying with John Madden eating the turkey leg on the side and just kind of doing, just something a little extra and fun. So if the game wasn't good, at least you're entertained by the announcers. Um, Tony Romo, a lot of times, what he'll do is he'll correctly predict the plays before they happen. Uh, just because he was a, a quarterback for so long, he's able to read the defenses and typically say uh, he's usually pretty correct with what's what's about to happen. Um, so yeah, I mean, yesterday he definitely made a Lions game where my lines were getting crushed a little more interesting than it would have been. Um, but I, I think you're right. Other than that, uh, there's definitely some talent lacking, or at least um, some spontaneity lacking with the announcers. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, I know you said you didn't watch football, David, but to those who did watch um, the Dallas-Washington game, I mean, it, not a very exciting game at all, pretty boring game. Um I mean, there were some big plays, but it, it turned into a blowout, really. And the announcers, like you said, were, uh, were kind of just par for the course, monotone. And, uh, I mean, I, I ended up sleeping through three quarters of the game. Um, 
in no small part because they weren't very engaging announcers. So I think that's a pretty good point to make as well. Um, with that being said, I, I, uh, my last point on the NFL that I did want to touch on, um, and it'll bleed into the next segment a little bit, uh, with the NFL ratings. So the ratings, I haven't gotten my hands on the ratings for yesterday yet, um, but we did find out that the Week 10 audiences added 14.7 million viewers, uh, which was down 13% from the same week last season. Um, and, and season to date, the NFL is averaging 7% less viewers. Um, so, and maybe, <clears throat> maybe that, uh, that announcer problem is part of the issue as why they're, why the ratings are down. I think there's a lot of different reasons that that could be the case. Um, but if everyone will remember, we've talked about, uh, in some other shows how the NFL is looking to double their media rights contract. Um, from $5 billion in annual rights fees. Uh, so they're going to need to figure something out to get these ratings up, and maybe bringing in new announcers is something that they can do to kind of reignite the fan base a little bit. But only time will tell on that front. Um, again, uh, I think that's going to end our coverage of the NFL um, for today, but... Definitely a great Thanksgiving tradition. I'm, I'm happy we got to start the show off with it. Um, and I'll be right back with some more interesting sports business news uh, right after a short break. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. Every week, we come to you with the information that you need so that you will be prepared to advocate for your family and for yourselves when it comes to your health care. God forbid we get Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate, and the left gets what they want, which is a majority in Congress and the White House. First of all, health care will be more expensive. There initially will be a public option. The government will run it. They will be initially very inexpensive, and it will drive commercial payers out of the healthcare market. Then the choices will disappear. The only insurer out there will be the federal government, and that's when we get a single payer. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right, and you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Hope you enjoyed the first segment about Thanksgiving football in the NFL. Um, Certainly a, a great tradition. I'm happy we got to cover it, but... I'm also happy to talk a little bit now about some things that may not be as traditional, um, some interesting new forms of media that have been 
breaking into sports. We've talked about TikTok before, uh, which last year burst onto the scene, becoming the next great social media platform. Uh, and nowadays, there really are an endless number of increasing um, short-form content platforms vying for sports fans' attention. Um, so what I'm talking about here is like your YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, um, all these ways that fans can watch sports now in a non-traditional setting, um, expanding beyond you know television and radio and into a couple. Um, <clears throat> I won't even say competing um, because they they really are different. They tend to have short, thirty-second, fifteen-second, maybe a minute max clips, which allows people to consume sports pretty quickly. Um, and it seems like there's a new major player. Um, in that short-form content platform, uh, and that being Triller. Uh, founded in 2015, Triller originally positioned itself as a music video maker platform, um, pretty very similar to TikTok. Um, users could record themselves lip-syncing or performing a song and, and look to the app's artificial intelligence capabilities to cut out certain clips. Um, essentially, people create content and the app edits it for them. Um, and using this artificial intelligence, I guess it knows how to make um, content that people will consume. Now, everybody knows that TikTok was recently bought out uh, after Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, ensured that China couldn't take advantage of us or mine our data anymore. Um, so TikTok was bought out by Walmart and Oracle. I mean, remains a major player in the space. Um, but as recently as three months ago, uh, Tri Triller ranked number one in all categories of the Apple App Store across 50 countries. Um, the company claims that its number of user downloads increased by over 20 times um, in one week alone uh, back in October uh, and surpassed 250 million downloads worldwide. Um, and we're starting to see major influencers flock to the app as well. Uh, Charlie D'Amelio, who currently has over 100 million TikTok followers, um, announced that she was joining Triller. Uh, Josh Richards, another famous TikToker with more than 30, 30 million followers, joined Triller as its chief strategy officer. Um, now, if, you, if you're wondering why I'm talking about all these influencers and this little social media app, um, that's because along with tr Triller's influencer growth, uh, it is the sports industry's leading increasing interest um, as far as social media goes. Over the past summer, teams like the Los Angeles Chargers, Vegas Golden Knights, and New York Mets created accounts on the app. Uh, another, another notable sports presence on Triller uh, joined recently, NBA Memes, uh, which boasts nearly 4 million Instagram followers and recently was acquired by Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban, who has a nose for success. Um, now, seeing those sports accounts launch on Triller is really just the beginning, in my mind, for the app's uh, quickly growing sports reputation. According to co-owner and executive chairman Bobby Sarnavest, they expect that they'll be able to compete directly with TikTok um, when it comes to sports content. Um, and now I think I think it's also a good thing to point out that music has always been a very integral part of sports. 
um, from live sporting events to just going to the gym, music fuels a lot of the sports that we watch. Uh, as we look at the sporting world, it's just an amazing space for a crossover um, between traditional sports media and a lot of these new kind of music-themed or music-centered um, social media platforms. And I recognize that TikTok and Triller are so much more than just that. But you can see where the initial um, thought process was to merge these two concepts. Um, taking it a step further even, um, Triller is ready to start broadcasting events on their platform. Uh, this summer, the app announced that it would be streaming the Mike Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. heavyweight fight. I could not be more excited. If you're wondering when that was, uh, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm sure that's coming up. It's tomorrow. Um, so if you haven't made your arrangements yet, um, it will be a live pay-per-view on Triller. And the first of what they're calling the quote-unquote Triller Battles series. Uh, I think it's going to be a great one. I think so many people are excited to see Iron Mike back in the ring. Um, going up against Roy Jones Jr., who uh, retired as recently as 2018, um, a legend in his own right. Yeah, certainly... Um, should be interesting to see what happens in that fight. We'll talk a little bit about that in our next segment, um, but I do want to mention as we're talking about Triller, um, the Triller paid $50 million to host the three-hour live event. Um, after the app did previously host its Triller Fest, a three-day virtual music festival um, back in April. So these Triller, Triller battles uh, will be the first venture into live sports. Um, now, I mean, I think, don't get me wrong, I think a lot of people will watch the Tyson Jones Jr. fight. But I don't think that Triller is necessarily going to be the best platform um, moving forward for sports to be broadcasted. I definitely think that it's a little bit more of a, um, a short-form content platform, um, similar to what TikTok is doing. You've got a lot of the different highlights, maybe... You have team accounts that are taking part in marketing efforts on the app, things like that. But again, the reason that these platforms work is um, the short attention span of so many sports fans today. Nobody wants to sit down and, and watch SportsCenter for an hour and a half every day. I mean, people do it. Don't get me wrong. If I, if I wasn't doing anything and I had all the time in the world, maybe I would do it. Um, but I would certainly get bored. I'd be channel surfing. There are thousands of different options. Um, and it's just a lot easier for me to hop on my phone and watch 15, 30 seconds of highlights from the past week, which TikTok and Triller allow me to do. Um, so, and again, maybe pay-per-view works, maybe because the Tyson fight is a pay-per-view, and, and maybe they don't go below that quality of event. Maybe they, they only broadcast the top tier, so to speak, events with your, your Mike Tysons and, and the match, which we'll talk about coming up as well, when you've got Brady and Mickelson and Woods, and they just allow the event itself to be a draw, and they just pay to host it. I guess that makes sense, but I don't know about them continuing to try to push into sports broadcasting. Uh, that being said, I think that Triller does have the support of the athletes as well. Um, it's gotten the attention, obviously, of NBA memes. Um, it's also gotten the attention of the Chicago Bulls, um, who 
have really been the largest player out of any NBA um, NBA entity on TikTok. And it's bringing about something um, that I think is extremely interesting, and that is the revival of the mascot. Um, for years, uh, mascots in sports were first introduced to try to bring some more excitement to the game off the pitch. Uh, many, uh, as, as we talked about, there are boring sporting events. I, I don't care if you're a fan of the team you're watching or not, sometimes the game gets boring. And that's where mascots and cheerleaders and concession stands, if you're in the stadium, uh, or trivia or any little extra add-ons that teams can use in professional sports to keep their fans engaged outside of the actual game itself. Because, um, I mean, as I'm sure so many of you know, if you've ever been to an NFL game or an MLB game, how much of the time you're there are they actually playing the game? And if you, if you stop and think about it, um, there's a lot more time that they aren't playing than you may think. Um, but with, with all, again, all the different forms of media, um, the way that TV has kind of exploded since the invention of the mascot, the mascot has kind of taken on a lesser role with a little less importance. Um, because you have so many different things to entertain you on while you're watching a game on TV. Um, but these short content, uh, these short form content platforms, TikTok, Triller, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, they're bringing back the mascots. They're allowing the mascots to come in and do what they do best. And that is just look funny, be relatable and, and do hilarious things. Um, so Benny the Bull is, uh, currently leading that trend on TikTok. Uh, it's the industry leader. Um, and, and the Mets have taken notice. The New York Mets have put Mr. Met and Mrs. Met as the face of their trailer profile. Uh, and with baseball on hold until spring training in 2021, um, the Mets players have been enjoying, enjoying the offseason as well. They've been getting free content um, just because people actually want to duet these, which is what they call it when um, when you repost the videos with yourself in them. Um, so it, it's bringing back the mascots. Um, and, and one last point on all of these platforms. People have been finding, the analysts have been finding, that fans are equally as likely to engage with other notable sports genres, smaller leagues, media, female fans, and the mascots on TikTok and Triller. So it's a diversity of content a diversity of viewers, um, and, and really, again, great for everyone involved, great for the fans, great for the teams, and obviously great for the platforms. Um, so with that being said, I know we, uh, Triller may be a foreign concept to you, but look out, um, look out for it to be a major player in the sports world moving forward. Uh, looking ahead to our next segment, I know we talked a little bit about the Mike Tyson comeback fight. Um, I'm super excited for that. And Triller, again, is going to be the presenting sponsor of that. Um, there are some other key sponsors we're going to get into that are very interesting. But the whole next segment as a whole is going to be focused on sporting events, um, atypical sporting events. Um, so, again, the ability of sports to adapt. We've been talking a lot about um, one-off events or unique events that may never have been able to happen until – recent time. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the Mike Tyson fight, about the match 3.0. Um, and then if we have time, talk about Bryson DeChambeau. 
and what he's been doing to kind of embrace that different culture uh, in the sport of golf, which is typically a pretty, uh, I don't want to say stuffy, but a pretty traditional sport. Um, so with that being said, we'll be right back after another short break. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. Every week we come to you with the information that you need so that you will be prepared to advocate for your family and for yourselves when it comes to your health care. God forbid we get Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate, and the left gets what they want, which is a majority in Congress and the White House. First of all, health care will be more expensive. There initially will be a public option. The government will run it. They will be initially very inexpensive, and it will drive commercial payers out of the healthcare market. Then the choices will disappear. The only insurer out there will be the federal government, and that's when we get a single payer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers, and welcome back to some special event talk. Let's talk Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. Uh, we talked about Triller being the presenting sponsor. DraftKings is another sponsor. They're the official sports betting partner of the upcoming boxing match between the former undisputed heavyweight world champion Mike Tyson and four-division world champion Roy Jones Jr., uh, DraftKings branding will appear all throughout the matches, media day, the weigh-in, and boxing ring. Uh, as part of its partnership, the operator will also develop the DraftKings Tale of the Bet. Uh, it's an original series. It's going to capture sportsbook trends, such as percentage of bets and handle significant bet placements and unique market offers. Um, so that, I mean, that's really exciting news for anybody who was planning on gambling. Um, or betting on this uh, on this event, um, and moving forward, I think if analytics start to play a bigger role in betting, it's only good for the people who enjoy it. Your bets are going to hit more often. Um, you're going to feel better about actually understanding what you're betting on, what the odds actually mean, and how how actually truly likely it is that you hit um, you hit and win some money. Now, as we talked about this. The bout is set for tomorrow. Um, Mark Tyson's return to the ring following his retirement in 2005. And U.S. media reports suggest it has already broken records for pre-fight pay-per-view sign-ups. Um, it, it's an incredible event, and it it's going to be wild to watch. I mean, not only do you have Tyson Jones, if you look at the undercard of this thing, you've got Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson, um, and again, if you don't know who Jake Paul is or Nate Robinson is, I'll do a quick breakdown for you. Jake Paul is an extremely famous YouTuber originally. Um, YouTuber turned, I, I don't even know what to, I guess you can call him a professional boxer. That's what he is. But he does these spectacle fights where he'll fight. Uh, last time he fought another YouTuber. Um, so he's kind of just leveraged his popularity, his influencer status, 
on Instagram um, in order to be able to have this boxing career. And people are paying to watch him. Um, he headlined his last fight over on Dawson over legitimate professional boxers. And I don't want to to say that he's not a legitimate professional boxer, but but boxers who are who have been in boxing their whole lives, that's their sport, that's their focus, that's their life. Jake Paul is a YouTuber who boxes. Um, most professional boxers are boxers who box. So it's definitely a slightly different um, slightly different concept. And Nate Robinson. Uh, Nate Robinson, NBA journeyman, long-time player um, for the Chicago Bulls and New York Knicks and many other franchises. Fairly successful career. If I, if I remember correctly, I think he won a dunk contest. Um, known as being one of the most prominent shorter players, uh, sub-six-foot players in the NBA. Um, he certainly made a big name for himself. Um, again, two unlikely parties to be on the Tyson Jones card. But this seems to be the direction that a lot of modern-day sports are going. Um, not not straying from tradition for the sake of straying from tradition, um, but finding creative new ways that they can draw an audience and make money. Um, now, if, if the reports are true, and this is breaking records for pre-fight purchases for the pay-per-view, um, which I certainly believe to be true, then it, it'll be extremely interesting that the match, which we'll talk about in a moment, the golf, uh, the golf event that has recently cropped up, um, and a fight between a retired boxer, two retired boxers, and two boxers, quote-unquote, who aren't even boxers, um, those two events are leading uh, the pay-per-view market. And it makes traditionalists probably rethink a lot of what they thought about sports consumption. Um, it's also competitively priced. I mean, it's priced at $50 um, to watch on Triller. I mean, I've paid just as much for UFC fights before. I've paid just as much for uh, normal boxing matches before. So uh, it's not being priced at a discount. It is a direct competitor um, with these firmly established pay-per-view formatted sports. Um, and, and I really think that one of the things that they've done with this fight um, that they, they would probably wouldn't tell you, but at least this is my perception of it, is they've done a masterful job in creating suspense. Um, so if you're a fan of rap music or a fan of modern music, any kind of modern music, one of the things that a lot of artists have been doing is they announce an album early. They draw all the people's interest. There's a ton of hype surrounding the album, and they announce a release date. And then the day comes and passes, and they don't release the album. And they'll do this two or three times. And the reason that they do this is because you keep people intrigued for long enough. When it finally happens, whatever the event is, whether it be a sporting event or the release of an album, the excitement has reached a point that it's just massive. I mean, it's it becomes, uh, even if the product is poor, it becomes an event in itself that it's being released. And that's what they've done on Triller with this Tyson Jones fight. Uh, it was originally scheduled for September 12th, and then it was pushed back by 10 weeks. Um, 
Now, they said that that was to accommodate a live crowd and maximize revenue for the event. Um, but I, 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 I don't know if that's entirely true. Um, I, I think they knew they weren't going to have a live crowd at this thing. I mean, if you look at COVID and you see the way that COVID has been trending, um, and they've been able to see this, I mean, things have only gotten worse from September to now. Uh, unfortunately, um, it's been affecting the way we live, and and they weren't going to be able to have fans as much as I would love um, for everything to be back to normal. It's just not. Um, where they didn't lie to you is they did maximize their revenue, um, and they're going to do great. I think it's going to be an incredible event. Um, again, it is sanctioned by the WBC and specifically made. Frontline battle belt will be on the line again. Another tactic a lot of these sports use, kind of a meaningless belt to prop up a fight that's not a championship fight. Uh, the last time we talked about one of those on this show was Jorge Masvidal fighting Nathan Diaz in the UFC for the, the BMF belt. Um, they had The Rock carry that out, made a big production of it. Again, just these unique events that they give artificial importance, and we crave it and thrive on it. We Sports fans just eat it up. Um, so super, super excited. Tune into that fight tomorrow again. $50 pay-per-view on Triller. If you want to see Iron Mike, which I certainly do, I think it's worth it. Um, with that being said, let's move on to another unique event here. Uh, let's move on to the match 3.0. Uh, past iterations of the match included Tiger Woods 1v1 versus Phil Nicholson, then... Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. Um, another, again, huge, huge, huge success. Um, just six months ago, uh, the match 2.0 um, was able to raise $20 million for COVID-19 relief. It averaged 5.67 million viewers and drew a 3.4 household rating. Outstanding figures for something that uh, as recent as 18 months ago, it was just a, a crazy idea that no one was sure could work. Um, but heading into the holidays, uh, everyone's been gearing up for the third edition, which will be taking place today. Happy Black Friday. That's what the match will be telling you later today when they begin. Um, and instead of touting Woods and Brady, the third iteration of the match, Champions for Change, will feature Mickelson and Manning, as well as newcomers Charles Barkley and Steph Curry. So you've got one of the best professional golfers in the world, Peyton Manning, certainly a quality player. And then you got Charles Barkley, who might be, might be the most well-known, terrible golfer in the world. I mean, if you want a good laugh, Google Charles Barkley golf swing. Or just watch the match, because... It's going to be on full display, and it is a absolutely horrible stroke. And Steph Curry, who's probably one of the best uh, non-golf athlete golfers. I mean, he is, uh, in the past, he's talked about how if he hadn't played basketball, golf would have been his sport. And a lot of the professionals have said they think he could have made it on the tour. So that is high praise to be certain. Um I'm definitely going to be watching the match today. I think it's interesting. It's a proven commodity. Um, and all the money that you invest in watching goes towards raising money for historically black college and universities. 
In the past, it was COVID-19. Um, this time, HBCUs. Um, so again, hope they're able to raise a ton of money for that. It is a good cause, and um, it's a great event. Uh, I'll just reiterate, because we have talked a little bit about some of the things that make the match as successful as it is. Now, the match incorporates new, fun, exciting aspects that golf traditionally doesn't have. Um, you can hear all the players talking. Trash talk is fairly encouraged. Um, and when I say you can hear that, they're all mic'd up. So everything they say, you hear on the live broadcast. Also, they tend to be betting amongst themselves in the middle of the holes. And if you're watching traditional golf, it gets very quiet. They line up the strokes. They take the shots. And then the announcer does a little golf clap, and they move on to the next hole. And if you ask me, it can be pretty gosh darn boring. Uh, that's not how the match operates. You've got the announcers laughing. You've got the players betting between them, amongst themselves. Uh, you've got good golfers, bad golfers, players trying crazy shots, betting their own money on the event. Um, it's just a lot more entertaining to me, and I think a lot of fans would agree with that. And that's why it's been doing so well. Uh, it, again, just another non-traditional event um, that has been taking the golf world by storm and the sporting world by storm. And I think you're going to start to see more events like this. Um, there's nothing similar to the match, really, that I could see happening. I mean, um, but when I say you're going to see more events like this, what I mean is YouTube, YouTubers boxing, basketball players playing golf. Who knows? Maybe next thing we'll get is an exhibition football game um, with NBA players. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, or... Um, I don't know, any number of possibilities of these crossover events where athletes do sports that aren't their main sport. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, and I think it's something that if it continues, um, would be a great thing. Um, so that's, that's enough of our coverage of the special events. Um, let's look ahead to our next segment a little bit. Um, weirdly enough, we're going to talk a little bit more about golf. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Um, if you don't know who he is, longest player off the tee on tour. Uh, and trust me, if you're not a fan of golf, that's fine. Uh, this guy just, this guy goes out there to hit bombs. He had a terrible performance at the Masters, but he hit the ball far as hell. I mean, he, he hit the ball a mile, it seems like. Um, pretty much every, uh, every Sunday beer league golfer's dream. This guy loves to drink beer, loves to golf, uh, and just loves to hit the ball far. Not so concerned about where it goes. Um, and, I, and I love to see that. So a little bit non-traditional of a golfer. Talk about him in the next round. And for the third consecutive week, um, our final segment is going to be the lightning round. Uh, we're going to bounce around, talk about a lot of different headlines, um, and try to get you caught up on as much sports business news as possible. Uh, so with that being said, we'll be right back after this break with the lightning round. 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers, and welcome back to the lightning round, where we bounce around and talk about the most intriguing sports business news, uh, everything you need to know. We'll start with Bryson DeChambeau. Um, driving farther and using that to grow his brand and his game. Um, so a, a major figure in the PGA Tour lately, um, what separates uh, Bryson DeChambeau is not only the fact that he drives it farther than anyone else, but also that he has quickly lined up wide-ranging groups of brands that back his unique approach to golf. Uh, those include Cobra, Puma, Veritex, HD Golf, Bentley, Rolex, SMP, NutJets, Bose, and Grey Goose, among others. Um, and while his growing star power and the fact that he's finished at the top of several tournaments has helped land those deals, his own style of golf has also helped. Uh, he was the third golfer ever to win the Division I Championship in college, uh, the U.S. Amateur, and the U.S. Open, joining Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus. Um, and yet he played horrible at the Masters, and it doesn't seem to matter. Um, and I, I think that speaks to the fact that sports fans in the United States want an evolution uh, in, their, in what we'll call their most boring sports. Um, they don't want the typical golfers of yesteryear. They might not want Happy Gilmore uh, snapping clubs and uh, getting in fist fights with alligators. But they want some change. They want some excitement. And Bryson DeChambeau is doing that. Um, so if you're even the slightest bit interested in golf um, or you're not uh, and you're just intrigued by this talk about a guy who just pummels the ball um, and gets top-tier sponsors because of it, go check out Bryson DeChambeau. Golf may be changing. Um, move forward. Um, let's talk about uh, quickly um, a New Jersey patch partner. The New Orleans Pelicans have picked Ibotta as their New Jersey patch partner. Talked about this a lot in the past. It's a new trend. It's something that um, could fundamentally change American sports, having branding on the jerseys. And the NBA really are the first to do it. Um, so I'd like to update you anytime um, that somebody does that. Um, obviously, Pelicans were number one pick Zion Williamson is, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. A lot of good young talent. Um, should be a good return on investment for Ibotta. Definitely interesting. Um, let's skip ahead. Probably, uh, probably the last time I covered the NFL today. 
Um, and that's going to be talking about the NFL going cashless for Super Bowl. Um, so the NFL and their corporate partner, Visa, are committing to make all Super Bowls cashless moving forward, starting um, with the upcoming Super Bowl. Fans will still be allowed to bring cash to Tampa Bay's Raymond James Stadium this year, but they have, they're going to have to convert it into prepaid gift cards worth up to $500 at ATM. Uh, cashless elements will include parking, concessions, retail and mobile ordering, as well as the outdoor Super Bowl experience. Um, I mean, you can probably guess why this is happening. Clearly, the COVID-19 pandemic pushed forward the desire to eliminate paper currency. Uh, going cashless at league events, however, was already a major goal of the NFL and Visa. Uh, their 2019 contract renewal was going to run through 2025. Um, safe, touchless experiences have been something that Visa has been at the forefront of for quite a while. Um, they've been teaming up with the NFL now to make payments obviously completely digital, um, and that's not only going to achieve uh, a good goal of their partnership, but it's also going to transform the future of sporting events. Um, uh, just a quick, um, quick little insight from me here. In the past, I have done some work with Visa. I actually um, worked on a a couple different pitches for them that included um, new technology that they can use to help move towards this cashless system and even a cardless system. Um, so they have what they call wearables now, um, bracelets or necklaces that will allow you to pay for something um, just by running your hand over it. Or, 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 I mean, if you've ever used Apple Pay on an iPhone um, where you just hold your phone up and you don't even need to get a card out. It just senses that your phone's there and has your information and you pay for stuff. That's how they've been doing things. Now, I, I could see everyone sitting in their chairs or laying in their beds or driving in their cars right now uh, yelling at me um, through, <laughs> through the radio saying, but Jack, how can this be safe? There's no way this is secure. And that's where Visa is actually at the forefront of all of this. Uh, what makes their company so successful is how innovative they've been and how at the forefront they are of security when it comes to your money. Um, so if in the future you're at a sporting event and they've transitioned to cashless pay, do not worry, um, especially if the NFL is working with Visa. All of this is very secure. Technology has come a long way. Um, it's a safe method of paying for things. And it makes everything a lot easier. You don't have to worry about bringing your wallet to the stadium. You've got your ticket and your credit card right there on your phone or a bracelet or some kind of fun device. I mean, if you ask me, it's pretty incredible innovation. Um, and it really points to how quickly sports are changing. Uh, and they are changing extremely quickly. Uh, it's awesome to see. Uh, moving ahead, next topic. Did you ever think you'd see a female kicker uh, with a D1 college program? I, I hadn't ruled it out, but I certainly didn't think that I would be seeing it this weekend. A week after she helped the Vanderbilt women's soccer team win the SEC tournament, Sarah Fuller will be starting a kicker uh, for the Vanderbilt football team on Saturday, um, which will put her in position to be the first woman to play in a Power 5 conference game. Major story out of college football. And, it, and 
in terms of how it relates to this show, um, as you know, we're, we're a sports business show. We're not your typical um, highlights and starting lineups show. Um, we like to talk about some alternative topics, some business-focused topics. But I promise you that it, whether or not this woman, Sarah Fuller, plays well on Saturday... It will be good for the future of sports business, the future of college football, the business of college football. If you sprinkle some women into the game here or there, I am, I'm kind of old school in that I really think it's difficult for women to play football. There's just the obvious uh, natural differences in size and strength. I mean, you can't overlook that. But kicker's a place where I think there is room for women in, in football. Um, I remember watching the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, a couple years ago, and and looking at some of these girls scoring these crazy goals from 30, 40 yards out, and thinking to myself, "Wow, well, I bet you they could hit a pretty, pretty damn long field goal if they were on a football field." And we're going to get to see that tomorrow. Um, and again, whether or not she does that, I think people are getting more and more open to female kickers. Um, and if you have more female kickers. I'd be willing to bet that you probably have more female engagement with the sport, uh, more women tuning in to watch football, which, as we know, is a male-dominated sport. Um, I mean, almost all uh, football fans tend to be um, tend to be guys, and if this woman uh, Sarah Fuller is able to play well tomorrow, and then maybe it opens the door to more and more women being kickers. And you start to expand your fan base just a little bit. Um, and, and that would be great to see. So congrats to Sarah Fuller. Um, seems like, uh, seems like she'll be able to do the job. Definitely wishing her best of luck. Big moment for women in sports. Big moment for sports business as well. Uh, looking ahead, NIL companies, uh, NIL companies are forging ahead right now despite undecided regulation. Um, so neither Congress nor the NCAA have approved legislation governing college athlete name, image, and likeness compensation. That's what that NIL means, name, image, and likeness. Uh, but an industry is growing nonetheless. Um, we talked a long time ago um, about how the NCAA recently um, – has been talking about going through some shifts as they're going to allow players um, to be compensated uh, for their name, image, and likeness, even though they're still not considered professional athletes. Now, in the past, we've talked about this, and and this will be our closing segment for the show. I think it's something very important to talk about because it could be transformative for the sport, um, for all college sports. Uh, In the past, Colleges have been extremely reluctant to classify their athletes as professionals because that opens the door to the colleges having to pay them, which we all know that they don't want to do. But the fact remains, you have professional-level talent playing in the college game due to the current restrictions on when you can play professional sports. Three years with college football uh, and the uh, the age limit of 18. Um, for college basketball, uh, which is why you have all the one-and-done. They've started to have to come around, as new laws have been passed, um, approving uh, athletes' 
making money um, from their name, image, and likeness. And it really has endless applications. Um, we've been talking about video games, obviously autograph signings, um, jersey sales, so many different things. And, and what really kicked all this off was September 2019, when the first NIL state law was passed in California. But it's been a long time since September 2019. And we've still yet to see major progress in terms of federal law catching up. Um, so I just wanted to shine a light on the fact that although federal law hasn't been catching up, behind the scenes there are many NIL businesses being built to capitalize on the fact um, that these athletes can now make money off of their name, their image, and their likeness. Uh, there's uncertainty in college sports due to this pandemic. Um, it's a very strange time to be thinking about this, which is why it has been pushed to the back burner a little bit. But don't be surprised if you see a number of companies coming forward, video game companies, uh, sponsorships uh, out from any different industry. There is a huge chunk of business that's going to be opened when the federal guidelines are finally catching up to the state guidelines in terms of these players capitalizing on their likeness. Um, and it's going to be, in many ways, just like NFL and professional sports, where players are getting individual sponsorships and, uh, and choosing whether or not they want to be in video games and being in commercials on TV. You're going to start to see that with college athletes, and I think it's going to obviously help them be interesting for the fans, get a little more engagement, and better for the sport overall. Um, I, I think that you're going to have some household names of college players who maybe you wouldn't have had if they weren't able to get this exposure. So looking forward uh, to seeing all that innovation and hopefully our federal government is able to pass through some of these laws. Um, although I know there's a lot bigger worries at the moment, um, but we'll see fingers crossed for that. Uh, with that being said, that's going to conclude our show for today. Again, a great black Friday day today, day after Thanksgiving. Hope everyone had a great and happy Thanksgiving yesterday, and that continues on with Black Friday today. Don't forget about the Mike Tyson fight today and the match tomorrow. Should be a great weekend. Uh, it's been an outstanding show today, and we'll see you again next week, as always, Friday at 9 a.m., Billion Dollar Ballers on America, America's Web Radio. I'm Jack Christides, signing off. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.